Hello world, hello everybody, welcome to another edition of Mr. Speaker Speaks. Oh, you know, it's the podcast that informs, challenges, and inspires. This is real talk from real people about real things. The show where the guests actually get to speak. And it's so good to have everybody here. Today, it's going to be an inspiring show. Very inspiring. I have a young lady here today who's going to share her story and how she was able to overcome and be truly successful. Oh, my goodness. But I want to let you know, first and foremost, that today's show is brought to you in part by Sirius Web Solutions. Sirius Web Solutions. You know, their success is your success. They are all about providing website development, graphic design, low-cost web hosting, digital archiving, and much, much more. Oh, full disclosure, Sirius Web Solution does all of my websites, even for the church. You know, you want to find out some more about them? Please just visit them on the web at SiriusWebSolutions.com, SiriusWebSolutions.com, or call 850-597-1707, 850-597-1707. And when you do, just let them know at Sirius Web Solutions that you heard about it from the one, the only Mr. Speaker, one other thing. Do you ever need a pick-me-up? Do you ever need some motivation? Well, I just call it motivation made easy. You can get motivation sent directly to your phone every week, just a weekly message. Just text the word JOIN to 850-771-4996 to start receiving motivational messages on today. It'll be short motivational text, short videos from me, Mr. Speaker. Text the word JOIN to 850-771-4996. Level up, listen and learn because these motivational messages will help you pivot into your purpose with power and precision. My guest today on the show will be and is the Miss Tamika Fields. But like always on Mr. Speaker Speaks, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we truly thank you for another opportunity to listen and to learn from others. God, we just ask that your presence be here during this conversation, this dialogue on this podcast, that the listeners will be inspired to move forward, that they will be inspired to keep going, not to give up when they listen and hear this magnificent story of overcoming from my guest today. Now, Lord, let your hand be upon my guest in all their endeavors, whatever they seek to do, God, be with them that they may prosper and have good success. And I will give you all the praise, glory, and I honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Our inspirational passage of scripture today is my guest's favorite passage of scripture. And it comes from the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Oh, just trust in the Lord and he will do it. You know, get me all riled up. I want to preach. But this is Mr. <laughs> Speaker Speaks and we're going to have some fun. How you doing today, Tamika? 
I am doing well, Mr. Speaker. How are you? Oh, I am doing just wonderful. It's such a pleasure to have Tamika here on the show, somebody who grew up in Gaston County, the city of Midway. Where is Midway? It's right in the middle of here and there. You know, Midway, Midway. <laughs> she attended Gaston County High School. She graduated from Havana Northside uh, High School. Ooh, I don't want to put that out there, tell you age and everything, but I'll just leave it there. But she... Uh, went on to obtain her bachelor's in healthcare management from the highest of seven hills, Florida A&M University, her master's in nonprofit management from the university of central Florida. Ooh, I'm sending some money to UCF <laughs> right about now. Have a son. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, she also has her certified supervisor manager, uh, manager and public manager certifications from the Florida center of public management. I mean, also she is a notary public. Oh my goodness. Yes, but guess what? She is also the director of the Florida Department of Health's Contract Administration and Oversight Section and has been there for the last three and a half years. In addition to that, she has worked over 15 years in government regulations, testing administration, contract administration, and oversight with the Florida Department of Health. She is a person who truly believes in helping others to succeed professionally. She does a lot with helping people write their resumes, interview preparation. Um, that's just a lot of stuff. You really love some people, I tell you. <laughs> She's also organized several community health fairs uh, for the annual Midway Day. Um, she served on local faith-based boards, committees. I mean, I could go on and on and on. But most of all, like all of us, she wants to start her own business one of these days. And we're going to get to that because one of these days should be soon. You know, you always got to be working on your dreams. Are you going to always be working on somebody else's? All right. So she wants to start that administrative and consultation business, holistic professional consultation services, WPCS. With all of that being said, Tamika, when you look over your life right now, from where you started to where you are, what childhood experience, what family experience helped to shape you and mold you into the woman you are today? Great question, Vincent. I would say my, I had a good childhood. I will say that, um, as you mentioned, I grew up in the big city of Midway and during that time there were dirt roads and not, we, we didn't have cable, but one thing that I vividly remember is watching television. I would see individuals with suits on carrying a briefcase. If for some reason that was so fascinating to me, when I saw that image, I saw power. I saw decision-making. I saw business. I saw um, authority. And as a child, I just saw that as I want to be like that. I want to wear a suit to work. I want to carry a briefcase. And you have to remember during that time, we didn't have cable like we have now and fire sticks and streaming. So most of the people that I saw did not look like me. Mm. Did not look like me. Um, not the same color, not the same gender, but I was still just fascinated with that image. And I always kept that image in my head. That really is, is what drove me. And I set goals to be that person carrying that briefcase and that wearing that suit, even though I didn't know what the profession was. It was just that image that I want to be that. 
So I remember that from childhood. Um, I grew up in a very uh, loving family, very spiritual, religious family. So a lot of morals and values have been instilled in me. And I will say that liking to help people, I think I saw my, my, I saw my grandfather he helped so many people. It was never a time that I, I heard anyone say anything bad about him. He was always a very helpful per- person in the community. And I think I kind of picked up that from him because sometimes my I, my heart will overload my schedule. Mm. Meaning I want to help everybody, but I jam-pack my schedule until I'm just so exhausted by the time I've helped everyone. So those are two things that I remember from childhood. My grandfather just helping everybody and that image on television of wearing that suit and carrying that briefcase. Images are powerful. Uh, You know, we always say a picture is worth a thousand words. And even when it comes to setting dreams, goals, and aspirations, you have to see it before you actually see it, before it materializes. And so that image of carrying a briefcase and seeing it when nobody else uh, saw it is powerful. Also, the ability to not say no. Oh, my goodness, that'll overload your <laughs> schedule at all times. Yes. And, and I, I can relate yes. to that and because we really want to help as many people as possible. That image in your mind, you saw it. How did you go about accomplishing it? Being that one, you know, you didn't see anybody that looks like you being a black woman and wanting to have a briefcase and a suit. How were you able to overcome those challenges and barriers to not only, you know, going to school, going to college, actually overcoming? How were you able to do that? I will say it started in high school. My family, my parents, um, they never attended college actually out of my immediate family I was the first one I do have an older sister and I was determined to go to college I will say my guidance counselor at Havana Northside High School played a uh, instrumental part in that uh, with the application and I will say others that helped me along with the uh, completing of the application writing the essay at that time we had to write an essay to submit with the application I'm not sure if they still do that now I remember but, that essay <laughs> yes yes so I had individuals that were rooting for me that was a little bit older than me that were already in college that they helped me go through that process I remember so vividly that I don't think it's not that my parents didn't want to go, but I think I felt that I was mature and didn't need them to go. I remember my freshman orientation. Mm. Um, You see parents oftentimes, I went alone. Wow, you went alone? Wow. I went alone. I remember going alone. Lee Hall, freshman orientation, this campus that I never had really been on. I've heard of, as my parents call it, A&M. 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 So I went to my freshman orientation alone. I went through that process by myself. Like I said, I didn't have any older siblings that had went to college. And I remember vividly the weekend before classes started, I went on campus to find where my classes were. So when I got there on Monday, I would know where to go. I remember stopping to ask someone, where is Tucker Hall? And they pointed me in the direction. So that was like the beginning of me getting out there. I went through school. 
my junior year in school. And I don't want to keep talking because Vince and I, Mr. Speaker, I, I, I keep this going is, on and on. I get this is the show. This is the show where the guests get to speak. This is about okay. inspiring others. I, okay. I could ask questions all day, but I love to listen and learn. Okay. Um, in junior, my, a junior in high school, I mean, a junior in college, I decided to get married. <laughs> Don't ask me what I was thinking about. And that's I where the story is going to begin. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was in love, decided to get married my junior year in college. Um, I will say I almost dropped out. After mm. I got married, I almost dropped out. I went down to one class a semester and I said, no, you've come too far. You got to keep pressing. So at a junior in college, where most time college students are having fun, yes, going uh, to party over here, classes, party over there, uh, party <laughs> over there, going to Freaknik, uh, going to Daytona. Oh, you went way back then. We talked about oh, Freaknik. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just aged myself. I yeah, you did. I tried to keep it. I tried to keep it a secret. <laughs> <laughs> so at that time, when students, you know, you was going through that, I made I did went a different direction and I decided to get married and I ended up we ended up having one son and I so vividly remember to this day at my commencement exercise my son was about one and I can see him in the stands you know just as we speak he was very young one year old and I was graduating from college so I'm not that very typical person that left college, you know, excited about the new city, the new job. I'm going to make a lot of money. I left college as a married woman, a mother, and a college graduate. So um, those, that was hard, but it's a choice I made. So I persevered through it. And I will say that things didn't go in the direction that I thought they would go things start going south in the marriage in the marriage wow and see i tell people all the time when i talk with them that life is all about choices it's it's about choice and we have to be willing to live with the consequences of those choices you know and one of my coaches says you know Sometimes, you know, choices aren't necessarily good or bad. It's the choice that you made. And then you have to look and learn from those. Before we move into that, one choice we don't get to make Mm -hmm. is who our parents are. And I want to ask you this. Are you mother's girl or daddy's girl? Oh, daddy's girl. Daddy's girl. Anybody that knows me and even those people that come around who don't really know me that well, they may be the friend of my sister or my brother. They can clearly tell I'm a daddy's girl. Daddy's girl. So yes. what was the greatest impact or influence he had on your life, your father? I would say the greatest impact is my dad remained consistent. You never had to you know, wonder, okay, well, how is he going to be this day? How he's going to be that day? Is he going to be different tomorrow when he comes home versus the way he is today? He was always consistent. Um, another thing that I, that really is a big influence in my daddy, he, you can see how I even say my daddy, <laughs> <laughs> but he, he took care of his family. He is truly a family man. You know, he's he's still with us today and he's truly a family man. And one thing that I talk about all the time, I was in the marching band in high school. And Wait a minute, you ain't getting 100 when you got there? You was in the march? Oh, no, I, I was done with that marching <laughs> after uh, high school. But I will say 
our band director was from the Marching 100, uh, Mr. Bush out of Quincy, Florida. And he made us look like the mini 100. So I, I, I got a little taste of the 100 without actually being in the official 100. So, um, but I could count that my dad would be there every Friday night that we had a home game. It never failed. Mm. He was there. I can look in the stands. If I didn't see anyone else, I knew my dad would be there. So that was very impactful to me. That told, that told me he supported what I was doing. He loved me. He came. Even if I didn't do my best that night or I messed up, my dad was still there to say, I support my baby girl. And that is so crucial, so critical in the life of children to have the participation of their parents, but not only their parents, but their father. The father is very instrumental in the life of a child and especially a young lady. What yes. instrument did you play? I, I need to, what did you, what did you play? I, I played the, I played the flute. The flute. Speaker, but I made sure, you know, I don't have it anymore. So nobody can ask me to oh, pull I was, it out. And I was going to ask you to play a <laughs> <laughs> oh, you was in the, the woodwind session playing the yes, flute. Yes, I was woodwind, yes. Woodwinds. I, I was in the marching band myself. I played a little trombone and I played okay. um, percussion. I was okay. a, a, a drummer. I still try to tap a little bit every now and again. I'm not, not as good as I used to be. Once it's there, it's always there. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Once it's there. And that's the thing about a foundation principles. Once they are there, they are always there. We may stray, we may move a little to the left, move a little to the right, but that, that guiding principle, that compass is always there. Yeah. And one of the things I like about this show, the people come on, they're willing to share their lives so that others can improve. A lot of people will share their successes, but they don't like to share their failures and how they overcame. We in the speaking business call it the mess in our message. And I'm so glad today that you're coming to share your story to help some young person, some young lady succeed and let them know that because you fall down, you don't always have to stay there. Take us to your story that began. You graduated college, your degree, mm -hmm. a family, a husband, and you said things began to change. What happened yeah. to Mika? Well, about a year after college, um, things changed. And, you know, like I said, the marriage was starting to fall apart. Um, I'm a person who, if I'm in, I'm all in. It takes two people to be all in to make something work. So we end up, you know, long story short, um, we end up getting a divorce. Uh, my son was about two to three years old. And I also like to just remind people that when two adults are part of a marriage and they divorce, that child is experiencing that divorce as well. Mm. And we saw that in our son by his acting out in daycare, um, just some of his behaviors change. So I just want to remind people, you know, things happen in life. But don't forget about the child or the children that's going through it as well. And I will say that was a very rough time in my life. It was about three years. Well, I would say not three years, about two years that we went back and forth to court, back and forth to court. It was very stressful, full of anxiety. And I found myself being a single mother. 
even though we were still married, it moved more so into the role of being a single mother. So I didn't have the chance as typical college students where they come, like I mentioned, they come out of college, they have commencement, they have the jobs lined up, they're moving to a new city, they're excited. At the beginning of what should have been a very joyous time, very fun time, and now I'm starting to buckle down because now I'm a college graduate, was a very not so good time for me. And I will say I started my career going into a divorce. Mm. That was hard because I couldn't focus on career. I just had to focus on functioning and a job at that point. What was your coping mechanism? Who did you have in your corner? Did you have any support? Because I know you were a single mother and it was Mm -hmm. you and your son, but did you have any other family support, any infrastructure to help you cope through this time? I had major support from my family. Uh, my immediate family, my mother, my father, my sister, my brother, um, they were very instrumental, my grandmother, in helping me. I will say because I'm a very private person, they knew what I was going through, but they didn't know what I was going through. And what I mean by that is they knew I was going through a divorce, but I didn't talk to them a lot about the fine details. Mm of what was being said to me, what was being done to me, how things that the harassment, I didn't want my family to know because I didn't want them to worry. So especially that, daddy, because daddy, would especially come. daddy, <laughs> especially daddy. And I will say, Mr. Speaker, that is a time where I really grew close to God. Mm. I really, I was trying to handle it on my own, you know, for lack of a better word, we're we're having disagreements about what should happen, that we're no longer going to be married. I just had to say, God, I give it all to you. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of fighting. And at that point, I felt burden just lift off my shoulder. I said, whatever happens, happens. God got this. So I couldn't focus on career, but things started to move upward because I refused to give up. I was determined to reach my goals and I had to work hard. I had to persevere. And the challenge of a single mother, it's not an easy job. It really is not an easy job because you have no one to share um, those responsibilities with. You have no one to share, you know, raising a child. And I will say that after the divorce, uh, we did not co-parent very well. So that someone just left me to be the parent of our son. So immediately after graduation, you find yourself in a marriage that is on the brinks of being over. Finally, it comes to an end. And now it's just you and your son and no help from the father. Mm -hmm. How did you feel at that time when the divorce was final and you were really on your own? It was a sense of relief because of the two years of just the turmoil, the aggravation, the stress, the court dates, the attorneys, the son not acting the best in daycare or in kindergarten because he's going through this too. There's when it's a separation, when he was used to both of us being there, now he's only seeing me. So I know as a child, he was missing his father, but that's the, you know, the situation we were in. But 
I was determined to make it. And I have this thing right now and I still, I, I use it then and I still use it now. I use it now. It won't always be this way. And that is what helped me get through a lot of things when it's difficult. It won't always be this way. And that is one thing that helped me get through it. A lot of prayer, um, just channeling my energy into, because from being married to not being married, you have more time on your hand. So I just channeled that really into my son, into myself and in my career and setting my goals at that point. And I'm not a person that really, I may, you know, be down for a little while, but I always say while you're using energy for those tears, you can be doing something about it. So that's how I made it through. So when, uh, what was your first employment after all, all of that? Um, You got, got divorced, your single mother, what was your career choice then? How did you make ends meet? I mean, you have a college graduate, so the field should have been wide open. Yes, that, and that is true. But remember, I had to go and I was at that time, I had to focus more so just on job to try to feel my way through. My first job was at Tallahassee Memorial Healthcare and the Behavioral Center. TMH. And TMH. TMH. <laughs> and I was a secretary. I was a secretary. I started up a secretary. I was a college graduate working as a secretary. And I was there for about a year before I got a position with the Florida Department of Health. It just took off from there. I worked really hard. I didn't stay. I would go into a position, accomplish what I came to accomplish, and I would move on. And that would take me about two years. I would learn all I could learn about that position and out just everything about it. And then when I mastered it, I moved on. So I just kept going through that same process year after year after year until I ended up where I am now as a director. I had worked from a secretary to an administrative assistant, OPS, career service, SCS. And that experience allows me to help other people because I can relate to them. I didn't just come out of college into this large paying director position and never work my way through the ranks. That works for some people. But for me, I am grateful that I was able to work through the ranks so I can relate to everyone on every level. How challenging was it um, to raise your son all by yourself? Were there other men in his life? And, And I ask that because it's one thing to raise a child, but a man does need a man's influence at times in his life because mama love you. Mama let you get away with stuff. Mama do everything, but daddy, (laughs) daddy going to say, Oh, not today. So how, how was that? How did you raise him? How did you nurture him? So, and what men did you bring or allow into his life other than his father? Great question. My daddy, my daddy I should have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> my daddy played a major role in my son's life. My brother um, as well. Um, his godparents. His godparents played a major role. Our pastor at the time, he was uh, Reverend Charles Morris of Anderson Chapel AME Church. He played a pivotal role in his life as well. And I will say even my brother's friends, they played a part as men to help shape him to 
you know, and not saying my son was perfect because, you know, he we, they would go through that typical teenager where oh, they, yes, think sir. they know more than you. They know more than anybody in the world. As the old folks say, it starts smelling itself. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I allowed just men who I trust would guide him the right way, would tell him the right thing, not only what he wanted to hear. And I will add this, Mr. Speaker, even with you know, there are some times that we're faced with, you know, the fathers are absent or the father's not there for whatever, whatever the reason may be, still be careful who you allow around your children. Most definitely. And I was very, very particular who I allowed around my son. And you probably came up during that era of, well, we don't have sleepovers. Oh, no, 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 no sleepovers. We, we, we don't do sleepovers. And my son knew yeah. that now. Now we don't do <laughs> Don't yes, we don't do sleepovers. The only place he could stay overnight was with my immediate family, my mm. parents, my brother, my sister, and his godparents. That was it. No friends sleepover. We can meet them for play dates and, you know, Chuck E. Cheese and, you know, if you guys want to go play basketball, that's fine. But um, I, I just, as a single mother, Please, you know, with sing with me, have kids. Just also be mindful who's around your kids. Be mindful because children watch. Children see what's going on. With that being said, your son observing all of this may not have verbalized anything early on in life. As he got older, did he ever say anything? Did he ever ask any questions? Where's daddy? What happened? How did you convey that? How did you communicate that? To him and did he ever have any ill will towards anybody he did ask questions um there was a time when he was a teenager it seemed like he was more around 10th or 11th grade where he asked questions about you know where is my dad why don't he come around he always had a way to contact us that's one thing i will say i never denied him from contacting his son i never spoke ill or bad about him to our son because whatever I I wanted my son to formulate his own opinion about that so he did ask questions and I was open and honest with him because when you're when you're asking a, spe a specific question I think the person expects a specific answer I answered his questions he did ask questions um, at this time in his life he is 23 years old the relationship is still not there but Mr. Speaker, that is something that I do continue to pray about that one day they will have a cordial relationship. I understand they may not have that, you know, that father-son relationship as if, you know, they grew up, you know, he grew up in the house with him, but it's never too late to establish that relationship. But yes, he will ask questions. And I don't think there is ill will just in talking to my son because I always told him, I truly believe your dad loves you. He just have some other things and maybe some other priorities that has taken, you know, over what he should be doing. But, you know, I hope that relationship, they will, they will, you know, work on a relationship where they can be, you know, cordial to each other and talk on a regular basis. That's a mother, boy. I love how y'all just put it. It's going to be all right, baby. It's going to be all right. <laughs> mothers right. just, mothers just have a way of, of doing that. But your son watching you throughout all these years and now he's 
an adult and he has a, a deeper understanding. And, you know, I'm just going to say mothers get all the love. Kids be on TV. Hi, mom. They'll never say anything <laughs> about dad. Um, what is his view of you? Watching you go through that, watching you go through the struggle, watching you get to where you are today. What has he said to you? Is he proud of his mother? If I were to ask him something right now to tell me about your mother, what do you think he would say? First, he probably just have this smile on his face. Uh, I think he will say my mom is strong. My mom is tough. <laughs> she was tough at that time. She is a person of her word. She took care of me the best way that she could. And my mom is a very strong woman. And hopefully he'll say that I would like my wife to be like. My wife be like, mama. <laughs> that that means you know how to cook too, don't you? <laughs> yes, yes. And he has actually, Mr. Speaker, he has, um, since he's moved on, you know, on his own, he's into his own career he has expressed, mom, thank you for teaching me a lot of the things that you taught me. Thank you for teaching me how to budget my money. Thank you for teaching me how to, you know, handle business and how to talk and how to express what I need. Thank you for, you know, teaching me how to cook because I always taught him, you don't need other people around to eat. You need to be able to cook for yourself and, and feed yourself and maintain yourself. So I taught him all those things. And I, actually, Mr. Speaker, now when he comes home, uh, he's he's acting like he want to chastise me because my shoes are not in the right place when, <laughs> <laughs> when I had to stay on him about keeping his shoes in the right place. So Come I home. can see where my, my upbringing with him, the things I instilled in him, even down to cooking, cleaning, you know, maintaining yourself, I can see how... I didn't see it then, but now I can see how much of an influence I had on it. Oh, and that's that's just great. You're listening to Mr. Speaker Speaks, and my guest today is Tamika Fields, and she's sharing her story of how she overcame utter disaster after graduating from college, getting married at an early age, getting divorced, becoming a single mother still rising to the top to where she is now facing other challenges facing other obstacles but i believe she has the intestinal fortitude from the lessons that she's learned previously to help her make it through today especially being a black woman in government in a position of power what i like to ask now is for you to share something with that single mother now that may be giving up that may be saying, I'm going to throw in the towel. I, I can't go through with this anymore. My heart was crushed. I was broken. No one loves me. No one cares for me. I can't make it. What would you say to that young lady now? The first thing I would say is it won't always be this way. Set your goals. Have that determination that you're going to make it through this hard time. Hard times don't last always. And another thing I would say is vow to yourself that you are going to do all you can so your children will have a safe environment they're taking care of. Do not allow the streets to take them because once the street gets a hold of them, it's hard to get them back. Not saying they won't come back, 
it's hard for them to come out of that lifestyle. And it causes the mother a lot of heartache. And that was one thing that I will say as a single mother, Mr. Speaker, I vow the streets will not have this one. Mm. I'm going to do everything I can in my power. And that includes laying a lot of prayer on him as well. Oh, yeah, a that, lot of prayer. That prayer is powerful um, now. People discount that prayer. They discount it. But I'm telling exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> prayer is powerful, it's powerful for you know, us as parents because sometimes we want to, you know, sometimes we just have to send them in, just go in your room. Mm-hmm. Because I gotta pray. Because if I discipline you now, <laughs> oh, I'm going to jail. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna say it. I, gonna, I know you ain't gonna say it. I'm gonna say it for you. Because <laughs> I've been there. I was like, uh, I, I see why now. Uh, when, when, and when Adam and Eve were in the garden, and, and the Lord came in the cool of the evening <laughs> to talk to them. Because <laughs> let let me go settle down. Because I will put a hurt yes. on you right now. Yes. So for that single that single parent, whether it's mother or father. Protect your children, pray, keep them in some type of spiritual based program or church or ministry, because they're going to need all of that. Education is important. A relationship with God is the most important thing. And I will say, just remember this too shall pass. It won't always be this way. Persevere, set your goals. And one day you'll see you know, things will get better and you'll see the, 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 uh, you will reap the harvest and you will see that, wow, I made it through. And another thing I will add, Mr. Speaker, those hard times only makes you stronger, Mm. only makes you stronger. Those hard times. What did you learn in those hard times that help you now in your professional career when it gets hard? business meetings, meeting after meeting after meeting, and you have to do your work after hours, but then also being in places where people don't agree with you, even when you have the right answer, people coming at you, how do you deal with that? What, what did you learn to help keep you going in the midst of it? When you say these young people on the job, but you maintain professionalism, you do everything by the book. What has helped you to do that? I would say prayer has has helped me, helped me through that. And I will say the hard times helped shape who I am today. I will say that what you see today, the Tamika you see today is not always, it's not the Tamika that you probably would have experienced 10 years ago, definitely not 20 years ago. So I had to humble down as well. And some, and I think those hard times, Uh, made me humble and it made me appreciate that I'm going through hard times. Uh, The money is a little funny. Sometimes it just wasn't there. Not even funny. It It just wasn't there. It just (laughs) invisible. (laughs) Invisible. Exactly. Invisible. But those hard times made me humble. Um, And as I climbed the ladder and I, I am where I am today, it is difficult in those times. If you know me, I've been told a lot, oh, I would love to play poker with you. Oh, so you and that's because no emotion. They, they can't tell what I'm thinking. Hard times make you humble. Hard times make you sometimes just close your mouth and listen. I do a lot of that now, just keeping my mouth closed and listen. 
And sometimes, like you mentioned, when I know I'm right, I still have to maintain that level of professionalism. And I, one thing I will say also, Florida A&M University Healthcare Management Program, um, Dr. Lewis, Mr. Nathaniel Wesley, Dr. Barbara uh, Mosley, Professional Development 1, 2, 3, and 4. All right, now, strike, strike, and strike again. (laughs) I use some of those things I learned there as well as my experiences, my hardships, um, my education. There are some things I learned during that time is that you will have to work a little bit harder, not only because you are a minority, you are a minority woman, and there will be ceilings created for you. Some may not even be there, but they will be created for you. A false ceiling. Yes. And it's up to you to get to that ceiling and say, well, this is it. I'm just going to stay at this level. It's up to you whether you're going to break through that ceiling. And there have, have been some times where I've had to break through the ceiling. There are times now where there are some decisions that are made and things that happen that sometimes I feel that it may be because I'm a black woman, but I always have to be better than the next person. I always have to be four steps ahead of everybody else, almost predicting what can happen or what will happen because I have to be ready to move into action if something comes up. So I will say my hardships learning to be humble, learning to listen, um, being appreciative. Those people that helped me along the way, that's why I am so, so much involved in trying to help other people because people help me. I can't sit here at the boardroom table mm. and don't look back and try to bring nobody else to the table. I like I'm always that. looking, who, can I, who else can I bring to the table? So just those experiences alone helped shape me who I am. Um, I have experiences now in my, in my position that I have to overcome. Um, just one example, I can provide a response, Mr. Speaker, and I can get in a meeting and that same conversation comes up and the same answer is given by someone else that I, I gave you that answer. I sit there with the poker face. And I've learned not to take it personal mm. because if you take it personal, you will react. That's it. That's one thing I've learned as well. So don't take it personal. Um, I leave my feelings at the door as hard as that may be sometimes, but you leave your feelings at the door and you don't let them see you sweat. Don't let them see you sweat. And it's all about maintaining that cool. We talked earlier about, life being about choices life is all about relationships and choices and you choose to do certain things and one of the things I learned and um, was a great example um, someone wrote on the board one time it says as a leader in an organization when you lose your temper you lose and sometimes you just have to be quiet because in the end you'll win but if you open your mouth you lose and so that that is powerful for you to share that with the listening audience today. Sometimes we just have to be quiet. Don't say yes. anything. Just just yes. let it ride. You had a network helping you raise your son. Mm-hmm. Now in a professional career, do you have a network, mentors, coaches, 
that help you and still help to shape you so that you can continue to shape others? Oh, most definitely. I want to call names. Don't don't get in the name calling. I'm so afraid that I'm going to get in trouble. But I will say there are individuals that help me to where I am. And one person in particular that I have to, I have to call his name. And you probably know who that is. That's Mr. Antonio Dawkins. All right. Um, He's very instrumental. And he believed in me. Um, when he first hired me on in the in contract administration at that time it was the office of contracts he believed in me he believed in my abilities and he brought me in he said oh you can do it and he just kind of left it at that um another person miss betty christie like i just said i wasn't going to get into calling names (laughs) miss betty christie um i called her my work mom Uh, she remembered when i was you know young trying to raise my son she, we ended up working together. So I would say those two individuals, along with countless others, have played a part in my life, teaching me the ropes, uh, teaching me how to stay calm, teaching me how to handle certain situations, because you're always going to come across things that you, you're not sure how to handle. But I will say those people are very influential, and that have shaped me into... I want to help people resume writing, um, helping interview prep. I have to bring other people to the board table. I have to bring them to the table. I have to. to. And see, that's one of the signs of great leadership. And that is that leaders help to develop other leaders when you're leading. And someone asks you, what do you do? And it's like, I develop other leaders. And that, that is something when you look around the room, and I'm pretty sure, Antonio and Miss Betty can look around the room and say, that's one I helped develop. And now you feel that need to say, hey, someone helped me to get to where I am. I must share. And it reminds me of of the gospel. You know, I'm a preacher as well. Freely it was given, freely I give, and it helps other people. And the scripture is so true. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Press down. Shaking together. And so that's what people must realize in order to get, you must give. I believe Zig Ziglar said, you know, if you help other people get what they want in life, you will get what you want in life just by yes. helping others. To exactly. make it, this is this is great. I've I've learned a lot. Oh, from Midway playing yes. the flute to yes. Florida A and M to now director of contracts. Yes. If you were, we're getting ready to close. I tell you, we we. Oh, this has been a good interview. We are almost an hour. I tell okay. you, if there, if you were to sum your life up, your experience, and you were to share a bit of wisdom to a person that's listening right now, especially a young lady, what are three things you would share with them right now? They say, if you do these three things, I believe you will be successful. And I'm, I'm going to toss out the first one. I know what the first one is. I'm gonna, So you ain't got to do but two. First one, prayer. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yes, exactly. That's the first one. So now you only got to come up with two other things. So prayer. What are the other two? I would say prayer, set your goals and work towards them. Don't just set them, uh, set your goals. And when I say set your goals, set your goals, write it down. Mm. Get a piece of paper, write it down, post it in your bathroom or post it in your bedroom or wherever you will, in your kitchen, wherever you are the most. So you will see those goals every time you go in that space. And that state, they stay in your mind. They stay in your eyes. 
So you're more than likely to just keep working towards them. My third thing will say, keep that determination. Mm. Be determined that I'm going to reach my goals. I'm going to be successful. And whatever it is that you set out to do, be determined about it. And it will happen. It will happen. It will happen. I tell you, some words of wisdom, words to the wise. You have heard it right here on Mr. Speaker Speaks. My guest today, Tamika Fields, the director of the Contract Administration Oversight Unit with the Department of Health. Y'all want to know something about some contracts? She knows them contracts. I tell you, she knows them contracts, what you can and cannot do all the way from midway. Yes. <laughs> to the yes. highest of seven hills to now being a director and helping other people. I'm so glad I had the opportunity to interview you. I'm so glad I had the opportunity to actually work with you. I'm saving it to the end. Full disclosure. So you had to get to the end of the interview. Full <laughs> disclosure. I happen to know everything that she says is absolutely true because I work with her in her unit. We are small, but mighty, but mighty because yes. we have a mighty good leader, a mighty <laughs> good you. leader Thank in you. Tamika fields. And so I'm so proud and blessed to be a part of that unit and to learn from her tutelage, her guidance, and, you know, her mentorship. So I, I thank you for all that you do and have done for me over the past three years, Tamika. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure, Mr. Speaker. All right. Well, we re we're bringing it home. It's a close. It's a, it's a wrap. I tell you, it's been truly, truly a pleasure. I hope today that you've been informed, not only informed, but challenged to keep focused, to be determined, and not only that, to be inspired, because she said... Don't give up. No matter how hard it is, don't give up. Oh, you've been listening to Mr. Speaker Speaks. You know, I always say life is all about purpose. Do you know yours? Because life without purpose is not worth living. So remember, in all that you do, be magnificent. Until next time, be good, be blessed, but most of all, be like Tamika. Be a blessing to someone. See ya.